0: Uh, the beginning of the gospel that was the first words in Mark's gospel and um, if we go on to the next slide you see we're in the middle of this series where we're looking at God's big picture and we started back right at this end that at the beginning of Genesis the garden of Eden it was wonderful wonderful creation wonderful per- picture of how beautiful everything was but it then fell because man chose to sin Adam and Eve sinned and felt put the whole of humanity um, in a fallen state. And and that graph, Exodus, Law, Conquest, Monarchy, all this, that's just kind of the rise of a, to the chosen people of God. He started off with Abraham and it went on through the patriarchs. We saw some of the promises in the patriarchs. We saw how it led through to the kings in David and in Solomon and then the kingdom fell apart. The prophets spoke about there was something greater to come. Um, but actually Israel, God's people, disintegrated, were sent into exile, and then they come to the end of the Old Testament. We've been looking at that in detail, but uh, that little period there in those dotted lines, kind of 400 years of prophetic silence between the Old Testament and the New. But we knew that what those prophets are saying is something greater is still to come. God is sending us Messiah. That had been a promise all the way through. And so on this baptismal service, we're coming into the New Testament. And the first character we meet is John the Baptist who came baptizing people. So it seems relevant and important to be able to spend some time looking at that. Now, actually, I got baptized 33 years ago. And um, on that year, I don't know when I got baptized really. I can remember kind of telling the guys in the back, we were praying for them. I was kind of travelling back to my university and a car broke down. Everything went wrong after my baptism. But one of the things I did, you know, because Satan loves to have a go at you if you do something right for God. So you've got to be on your guard. That's what the Bible says. Be strong and alert. Your enemy seeks to devour you. you know? But on that same year I got baptised, I bought my mother a Bible. Yeah, And a couple of months ago she gave it back to me. After 33 years. And in the meantime, she's been writing in it. All right? Do you write in your Bibles? Some people write in... My mum's written lots of notes. I write in Bibles. My philosophy with the Bible is use it, get another one. <laughs> you know, use, just use it up, it falls to bits, get another one. She's given this meat back to me. And as I was looking at this text, I began to read some of her notes this week on the Gospel of Mark. Let me... You know, and it just fits with the... Um, series we're doing. Let me read to you one of the notes. I think we've got it on the slide. So this is not some scholar. This is my mum. Right? Lily Mockett's Mrs. Mockett Senior. She's not here today. But uh, it says, she wrote this, just above in Mark's Gospel. We should always read the Old Testament with a desire to find something of Jesus Christ in it. Someone say amen. Amen. That's what we've been learning, isn't it? It's not just a string of stories. He says, look, we do not... Profit much from our study of it if all we see are stories of Moses, David, Samuel and the prophets. Sunday schools that just tell you stories without pointing to Jesus are of no good effect. Alright? We need to see Jesus. It goes on. Search the books of the Old Testament more closely. Jesus said of them, These are the scriptures that testify of me. Quoted from John's Gospel. My mum understood it. Maybe she should be here today saying these things. But as we enter the New Testament, the message is clear. The waiting is over. The exile of God's people as they've been sent to Babylon is over. They come back, but things weren't great. We've seen that. You know, it's not exactly as good as it used to be. So they're looking forward to the greater things to come. But now the time of fulfillment comes. And in Mark's Gospel, we only take 14 verses, and Jesus appears and says, the time has come, the kingdom is here. Repent and believe. And that's a message we still need to hear today. The good news is the gospel. And Mark's opening words begin it. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, it's the gospel that saves people. What I mean by saves, it's the gospel that brings forgiveness of sins and a change of life. Right? When we repent of our sin and we accept That we want to be a follower of Jesus. It's the gospel. It's that gospel message, that good news. And Paul said we should never be ashamed of that gospel. And this church is not ashamed of making Jesus known. We're not kind of just some contemporary contemplative thing where anything goes. Just have faith in something. No, it's faith in Jesus, the Son of God, who came to earth. Next week we're doing Christmas. Can I have a baptism and Christmas on the same day? Because Jesus came to earth in the flesh, you know. So it's great, you know. Jack, you better be thinking about what songs we're going to have next week. (laughs) Jesus came. Now, Matthew begins his gospel with a genealogy, the genealogy of Jesus. He wants to show that this Jesus really is the son of David and the son of Abraham. He's the one that's been promised all this time. Luke's gospel begins with just looking at the physical, um, and historical facts of what happened at Jesus' birth with shepherds and angels and what was going on in the manger and things like that. John's gospel starts way back in eternity past where God is God and he says Jesus was there too. He wasn't in the flesh. He was just known as the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, right? But the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst man, Jesus, God in the flesh. But Mark's gospel plunges us straight into the action where actually Jesus gets baptized by John. And it's this fellow John that I want to spend a few moments just talking about this morning. I was challenged actually, was in our staff meeting, you know, Jack and Joe and Kira were there, and um, I kinda hadn't done all the work on the sermon, and I, and I said, oh, I've got a few ideas, and they, I don't know who said it, but one of them said it, can you make all your points begin with M? So I thought I will. (laughs) And I have. (laughs) It's like a good Baptist days, isn't it? You know, all the points begin with the same letter. So we're going to start with John's mandate. He was a forerunner. You see, in ancient times when the king was coming to see his people, someone ran ahead of him to prepare the way. A forerunner had two two, two duties in a sense. He was to make certain the road was passable. Right? No, there was no delays when the king Pass through and he was also to let them know let the people know the king was coming and they should prepare themselves for him now let me quote Mrs. Mockett Senior again because she writes this message here in her Bible i forgot what colour she used for this one we've got red, green and blue and black so I don't know what colour this one but I print it out it says there was nothing unforeseen about the coming of Christ throughout the Old Testament the same event is foretold with increasing clearness it is a promise often renewed to patriarchs and repeated by prophets that a deliverer and a redeemer was coming. That's what the Old Testament is pointing to this time when this gospel begins. The kingdom was coming and John is introduced to the fulfillment of two um, prophetic verses from says in Isaiah I will send my messenger ahead of you in fact that's from Malachi who will prepare your way a voice of one calling in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord right so John prepared the way he came and prepared the way he appealed directly to the people you see Jewish religious leaders had forgot about ordinary people they were just interested in the high-ranking people now but John came and appealed to the ordinary man and the ordinary woman and he said, you know what, we've all done things wrong before God, we need to change our lives. And so he came and proclaimed this message and God used him to touch a whole generation. The Jews were in desperate need of a spiritual revival. You see, their, their, their religion had just become religion. It was legalism and ritual. Do you think that's what Christianity is? Just ritual and legalism? Ceremony? It's more than that. It's something vibrant. It's something alive. It lives. God lives in us. We live and breathe Him. And we live for Him. The Gentiles weren't interested in religion at all and they just saw it as superstition. So both groups of people needed what John was going to offer. And we live in a similar kind of day. When people are either not challenged regarding their sin, or they 're just beaten down by religiosity, and that does no good at all. There is a need for the people of God, and i 'm talking to this church or some of you others and Christians who 've come from to support these people, folks who are getting baptized, there is a need for pe- the people of God to stand up and be counted and to speak out what god 's word says. There has never been a time when there is a need, another need for a prophet like John the Baptist as today when you've gone to churches that don't bother to preach the gospel. Where are the forerunners preparing the way for God coming again? It's what we need today. Will you take that call and live the Christian life that God, what God wants you to? See, our mandate as Christians is the same as John's in one sense. Prepare the way of the Lord. Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. And we need to prepare for that. So there's his mandate, but there's also his methods. You see, John was a preacher. I like preachers. I was called to be a preacher. In fact, sometimes when I think about what else I could do, I don't know what it would be. Because I don't think I've got many other kind of, um, you know, gifts, <laughs> calls, skills, whatever. Uh, but G- John came as a preacher and he preached a message of confrontation. Hmm? A message of confrontation. He came and confronted people's wrongdoing. We call it Sin. He wasn't just prepared to say, it doesn't matter, let's brush it under the carpet. He came and said, we're sinners, we have done things wrong. Not just to each other, but before a holy God. And that was what he was doing. His method was to proclaim this repentance. He said, I want you to repent. And he did this, the gospel here uses you know, this phrase, repentance for the forgiveness of sins. It, repentance means a change of mind that leads to a change of behaviour. Right? You change your mind, first of all, that Jesus is who he says he is. And then when you accept that Jesus is who he says he is, you change your behaviour in order to live the way God wants you to. You don't change your behaviour first. We don't ask you to come to church and say, "Well, well, if you go and sort your life out, then we'll want to get to know you. No, it actually starts with what goes on inside of you. Have you changed your mind about who Jesus is? Because most of us at some point, we've ignored him or we've said all sorts of things about him and we don't believe that he's the Son of God and he's the one we should follow. So repentance is when I first change my mind about who Jesus is and what he has done. And then that leads to a change of action, how I live my life. Too many people who say, if I change my life, then I'll change my mind. No, you change your mind first. The Holy Spirit is there to help you. Repent and believe, and you will have your life changed. I pray today that through this service, through the testimonies of these four young people, someone's mind will be changed that would lead to a change of their life. John came preaching, the Messiah is coming. The promised one, the one through all those Old Testaments, and we're in number 19 of our series, so we've done 18, looking at all the build-up, this promise of the Saviour, promise of the Messiah, He is coming. And John proclaims that she says so prepare yourself repent one more quote from mrs mockett's bible notes shall i she says just under that little phrase the same message came from the beginning from noah to paul to the present day repent and believe the gospel yeah i think she she deserves a degree from spurtons college for this you know you, you know this is good sound stuff you know Message of confrontation. Sadly, that's missing, isn't it? You go to church, you don't, don't even hear about being called sinners, you know? Oh dear, we don't, we don't want to confront people like that, do we? We've got visitors amongst them, let's not tell them they're sinners. Well, I, sadly, I have to tell you. Because that's what we all are. Well, says all have sinned. And fallen short of the glory of God. I have. You have question is have we acknowledged that it was also a message of change John told the people that their repentance would lead or result in God's forgiveness and a changed life the 21st century needs people who will not allow position and popularity to stand in the way of proclaiming the same kind of message we need that In our town, people need to know that it is only through Jesus you get eternal life. People need to know that sin kills us. People need to know that there is life through Christ, that there is a heaven to be gained and a hill to be, you know, shod of, a hell to be shod of. We need people who are just going to stand up and preach and proclaim this message. But Paul John didn't just preach, he practised. right? And he did something rather strange. You know? um, he baptised Jews. That's interesting. People from all parts of the world have been baptising people, practising baptism for many, many centuries. Baptism wasn't new when Christianity came along the scene, people had been baptised. If you were a Gentile converting to Judaism, you kind of got baptised in water. It was a symbol of a a change. But what John was doing was different. It was the way John did it. John baptised people not to make them right with God. He baptised them because they'd already got right with God. Alright? The phrase... It says here, he preached a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. He didn't baptize them so that their sins would be forgiven. He baptized them when they knew their sins would been forgiven. And that's still what's happening today. You four who are getting baptized this morning, you, I'm not going to you stand up right now, You're you're going to see them in a few minutes' time, but their sins have been forgiven. This water, there's no magic in this water, you know. You know know what's coming next, don't you? If I could just get the water, if there was magic in it, I'd just kind of spray it all over you, wouldn't I? We'd have a little booth in the road saying, come on, we've got holy water that will take your sins away. The water doesn't do it. You got baptized because you'd already been forgiven. Because they believed in Jesus who died on a cross. And it was through that, through what Jesus did, Sins were forgiven. And when we put our faith in Him, He bestows His righteousness upon us. Amen. (laughs) So these four, they've already become Christians. This isn't making them a Christian. This isn't forgiving them. This is saying, I'm unashamed of being called a Christian. I'm in public. I want everyone to know. And so John preached this. That's what these people are doing today. A picture of a person who will die. (coughs) Joe and Danny are going to hold you guys under the water until you die. No. You just go under the water and you come back up. It's symbolic of dying and rising again. Dying to the old and being alive to the new. That's symbolic because it's already happened in them. And they're doing this out of obedience to God. Obedience to these words. Repent and believe and be baptized. And you too will be filled with the Holy Spirit. John had amazing spiritual power in many ways because people came from all around just to be baptized. You know, I once had a baptismal service where we started off with four candidates and we ended up baptizing ten. We had just visitors with us. And by the end of the service, they were saying, I need to be baptized. I need to be baptized. We ended up with two people dressed with tablecloths around them, like big loincloths. We just said, let's sing another hymn, let's find out their faith is real and let's get on with it. Didn't have a 12-week class? If faith is genuine in Jesus Christ, then you do it. There's spiritual power here today. It's not me to manipulate that, it's for you to respond to whatever God is saying in your heart. Of course, not everyone was happy. A Jewish religious leader soon came out to John and said, we don't like what you're doing. And so John just told them they're a bunch of hypocrites. And that they need to repent as well. All right. So we've looked at uh, what two M's: John's mandate and John's method, and John's manner. John was not one of these guys who was the height of fashion. You know, <clears throat> he he didn't gravitate towards the finer things of life. You know, my children tell me that I dress boringly. At least I'm not dressed like John's, what I can say. You know, like camel hair and a leather belt, you know, there, we, there you go. He didn't kind of, he shunned the kind of finer foods, just sticking with the um, the honey and the locusts and things. Uh, he was a desert man, wasn't he? He dressed like a desert man and he ate like a desert man. In fact, he was a Nazarite, right? That meant that he, he had, he, Nazarites never, never shaved their hair or, or, or shaved their beards. In fact, what they did, they would take all their hair and they would kind of plait it in, into seven brands. So I think they were kind of the, the original Rastafarians, really. They'd got all the dreadlocks down the back. In fact, you can read in history that some of their beards were so long that they would have a sack and they would carry their beard in a sack. You know, can you imagine us getting a preacher like that this morning? We'd be a bit shocked, wouldn't we? But actually, this desert man stepped out of the wilderness with the same spirit of confrontation that the man like Elijah had 800 years before. The spirit of Elijah was upon him and he called a spade a spade and he saw God moving. And that's what we want to see. You know, they never invited John to preach in the temple or the tabernacle. He would have upset the apple cart, you know. But he came with a strange appearance and a strange message. Repent! Repent. I want you to change your mind about God and change your actions. Live differently. Say you're sorry. Turn around and stop doing that wrong. Repent and believe. You see, if John teaches us anything today, and I'm coming coming to a close, the truth is we've got one more point after this one, so don't worry. The truth is about John, if it teaches us something you don't have to fit in with this world. Let me talk to you youngsters. You do not have to fit in with the way the world tells you to. Hmm? John didn't fit in. I had some African brethren in my church in Tottenham that if I think I brought them down here they probably wouldn't fit in. <laughs> they're... they're, they're um, kind of demonstrative activities would kind of scare some of you away maybe I don't know but we'd have, we don't have to fit in with the way society tells us to behave doesn't matter if we're different God has called us to be different right let me tell you it's all right to live differently to the way your friends do it's all right Not to do drugs. It's all right to remain a virgin till you're married. It's all right to be different because Jesus wants you different, and we need to live those kind of holy lives. There's a verse here. Have we got it on the screen? actually do it at every baptismal service. Write it in every card. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living. No, we've gone back to as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Where does it start? It starts with the mind again, doesn't it? Right? When I believe something and it, I've changed my thinking it will change the way I live. Praise God. And finally John's message. One of the message that built up his own reputation. It was a message of a humble servant. He said, after me comes the one more powerful than I. The structure of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptise you with water. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. Mm. That's right. John was a humble man. He was saying, I am nothing. And he is everything. I didn't come to call people to me, I came to point people to him. Actually this highlights something of the reasons why people refuse sometimes to deal with their sin, because often we compare ourselves to the wrong standard. You see if we think about it, we think about all the things we do wrong, we can always think of someone who's worse than us, can't we? Yeah? And we can then say, compared to him, compared to him, to her, I'm not so bad. But let's get real. If we hold our lives against Jesus, the very Son of God, then we need help. All of us need help. Even though John had people eating out of his hands, in a sense, when John saw Jesus, John saw how needy he was. I'm nothing. He's everything. John magnified Jesus. He knew that if people could just see Jesus, they would see who they really are themselves and would want Jesus to come into their lives. And the message today... Of these four being baptized, none of them, none of them are saying, hey, look at me, I've made it. I bet their parents know they haven't. (laughs) And their friends and their onlookers. Because they're not saying, look at me. They're saying, look at Jesus and see what he's done for me. See what he's done for me. So John came and preached this message of a holy Saviour. He says, I baptize with this element called water, but Jesus, he'll come and baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The very power and presence of God will come into your life. And that's what Christians have got. We've repented of our sin and we've asked Jesus to come in, in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And so what's happened is that not that we were called to become religious. John didn't point people to religion. He pointed them to the Saviour. And he said that He will save your soul, He will forgive your sins, and He'll change your life. And every one of us who's a Christian today, that's what happens. My sin has been forgiven. My life has been changed. God dwells with me. God dwells with you for being baptised. God dwells with everyone who claims the name of Jesus. And it's easy, you see. It says there, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It comes to anyone. Forgiveness of sins and a change of life. To anyone who will put their faith in Jesus Christ. Who will call on his name. we are going to be having a little break in our service because that's what we do here. We actually take a coffee break. We're going to come back and sing a song. The children will join us and we're going to have a take time of uh, testimonies and the baptisms. But I want to ask you a serious question before we break. Do you think you need to respond to God yourself? Do you think you need to be baptized? Do you need to repent of all the things that you've ever done wrong? I mean they, you know the list will go on and it will things you've said wrong, thought about wrong, did wrong? Don't you want to have a brand new beginning? Forgiven, clean the slate, receive the power of God's Spirit to dwell in us so that we can live differently? Are you tired of all that living those lies and deceptions and you'd actually like a new beginning? I wonder when you hear this, this is the beginning of this good news, this gospel. And I wonder if the penny has dropped for you today and you need to actually say, I know I need to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We just close our eyes for a moment. Jesus said the time has come the kingdom is here I believe that's right now as well is there someone here who's prepared just to pray this prayer dear Lord Jesus I need you I want you I'm sorry I've lived my life my way please forgive me thank you that you died on a cross in order to wash my sin away. Thank you that I receive your spirit to lead a new life in your power. As best as I know how, I give myself to you, to follow you. someone pray that prayer? You don't have to stand up and give a speech right now. But you know, we should be unashamed of that. Father, would you apply this message, you apply these testimonies, the significance of these baptisms to our lives, that we would do business with you today. And we would call on your name, and that someone here may truly know forgiveness and a change of life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 If you know that God.